Welcome back to another episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ on one side of the desk and appearing for the first time this week, Gavin Pratt is back with us. Hello, Gavin. Hello. It is good to be back. It's good to have you back. We appreciate Dr. Greenwood for filling in, but it's good to see you and see that you're well and in one piece, or at least in one piece. Well, if Dr. Greenwood's listening, having me back is not what you said you were looking forward to in the text. It's probably not. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Greenwood, he misses you already. That's right. Yeah. And we haven't, and we just started. You know, we just, haven't even started. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just to, you know, because this is such a high quality production, I'll give you the production notes. If there's a problem with your mic, Russ said this earlier. If there is a problem with your mic, what did you say? It's you, not me. It's <laughs> Welcome back. That's our production notes. Listen, as we prepare for this podcast, anything that goes wrong, it's you, not me. Yeah. Let's go. No pressure. No pressure. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. Well, Gavin, you're, you're kind of parachuting into a conversation we started on Monday. I know you've been listening. And as I joked with uh, Gavin before we came on air, I'm sure he was yelling at the radio of all the different thoughts and things that was going through his mind as I was speaking and as, as uh, Bill was uh, uh, also speaking. And I could just almost hear you from Ohio yelling at your car radio as you were driving down the street. So thank you for your input. I did, in fact, uh, <laughs> yell at a few times uh, my thoughts. But the funniest thing is I sent one of them. Uh, did you listen to that? I won't, we won't get into what it was, but did you listen to that? That I sent you that little video. Yeah, I actually used it this week. Did you really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I love it. The analogies. Love, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah That's yeah. hilarious. So I, I sent him uh, th this video, and and he, he responded, "I miss you too," yeah. which cracks me up. Bad analogies. Bad analogies. That, that was from last week, but yeah, that's all right. The Lord still loves you. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. We, we you guys recorded on one day, so yeah. I just figured it. It was all. All fair play. Um, but yeah, so that was funny. Uh, I did use that, though. Uh, I ran across a, a social media post. Uh, somebody, apparently Alistair Begg, preached at Liberty University. Okay. And uh, somebody had commented how big a fan he was, except for he spent so much time on the Trinity. And that he, wow. this person didn't believe in the Trinity. And I'm thinking, okay, how can you be a fan of Alistair Begg and not believe in the Trinity? I'm not sure how that it happens. And so somebody else chimed in and talking about their lack of belief in the Trinity. And so I just jumped in there because it's not spelled out in the Bible and all this. So I just jumped in there and said, I really don't have time to debate this with you, but uh, I'm thinking of the creation account. I'm thinking of uh, the uh, baptism of Jesus, where you have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all right there together. I'm thinking of Ephesians 1. And then I said, and, all, I said, and in, at the end of the day, if you'll just watch this video, He'll explain the Trinity at the end, and I attach that video. My kids will every once in a while somebody will say a heresy, right? They'll they'll speak heresy, and yeah. my kids will say, "Come on, Patrick!" It oh, cracks, Patrick! It cracks. <laughs> hold your horses right there, Patrick! It cracks me up. Like my kids, my kids uh, understand the Trinity biblically for sure. I hope uh, you know as much as one can understand it, but also they have these references to "Come on, Patrick!" That's that's heresy. So here's what I'm going to do for our listeners uh, that have access to our Facebook page because okay. now we've kind of built up this anticipation of this video. I will post a link to the video we're talking about. It's called Bad Analogies, and I unfortunately used a bad analogy last uh, week when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and I did say. All analogies break down, so I was not intentionally speaking heresy. And in fact, even Bill Greenwood chimed in after I said what I did about the Holy Spirit, and he kind of he kind of leveled the field a little bit. But I'm certain you were yelling at your car radio. I was. I was. And I will post a link to that on our Facebook page uh, this afternoon. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, uh, Tuesday. 
You'll be listening to this on Wednesday. I will post it on Tuesday afternoon. Let, let me let me also add, you were just talking about verses, and there are plenty of verses that communicate the Trinity. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, there is, without confusion, is expressed there, that they are there are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory, and yet they are without confusion. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the, the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, and yet they... Uh, um, there are three in one triunity, the triune God, three in one. So, um, uh, but but it, there's distinction was with God and was God. There's unity and distinction within John one. Now, I I'm not unaware that the New World Translation does translate that very differently. But there, you know, if you want to do research, there's a reason why it was translated by the King James divines. And, and subsequent translators as as we understand it now uh, today, which is in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, so, And there are, there are plenty of other verses that we could study, and maybe we will one time do a real in-depth analysis of, of the Trinity. In fact, while I was away, that was one of the things that you guys brought up, you know, the, the, the understanding of Jehovah Witnesses, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, and you talked about how the Jehovah, the Word, the name for God, using vowel markers and stuff. But you, I think... Uh, and Dr. Greenwood has really done some good work on this. You left so much on the bone that I think we should revisit that again sometime soon. Like what, what problems we have. I had to sit in the living room with some, uh, with a person that p- professed to be a Jehovah's Witness, and um, and I said, "Listen, I don't know how I can say I love you with what I think is anathema." Hmm. You know, I think this is a different gospel. You're, you're now dealing with the person and work of Jesus Christ. I'm not as concerned that you don't, you know, pledge allegiance to the flag or you don't, um, you know, have birth, celebrate birthdays or that you don't, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's even damnable, though I think it's doctrinally wrong to think there is no hell. I don't think that's a damnable doctrine. Now, maybe somebody else could respond and say, well, have you thought about this? But when you're dealing with the primary issue of the person and work of Jesus Christ, I don't know how I can say I love you if we don't address that. Yeah. And I just sat in the living room and walked them through my beliefs. Mm. Oh, Patrick, yeah. that's a great point. But nevertheless, we parachute into a conversation that uh, is already in progress that didn't include you, but we're going to include you. We're pulling you in, kicking and dragging uh, on the topic of heaven. And so, Could you explain why I'm kicking and dragging? Yeah, so Gavin and I, uh, Gavin absolutely does not care about this topic that we're going to talk about today. I hesitated to say could not care less because that would be untrue. He just does not care, and uh, which makes this topic a very fascinating topic to me. I love that. So the brains of the operation is Russ. He is the brains of the operation. Yeah, and I allegedly. tell every time we come in, I just say, hey, whatever, what are we doing? Let's go. And, and so... Um, he picked this, and I'm like, yeah, not not really as interested in that one. And I got that. Oh, Patrick. Oh, yeah, very speculative. So, uh, listener, if you want to find Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, uh, Gavin is going to bless us with a reading of verses 5 and 6, and we're going to talk about Enoch, and we're going to talk about the present heaven uh, and whether or not there'll be bodies, and uh, I hope this... Uh, causes you to maybe chew on these things it will not cause gavin to chew on these things because he does not care um but (laughs) i care that the words are in scripture and i want to get as much out of them as as i possibly can i think he should be okay so i'm going to open this with prayer gavin if you'll if you'll read all right father we thank you for your love and grace thank you for your word that uh lord just guides us in all truth uh lord i pray that as we talk about the present heaven uh, I pray that you would guide us in this truth, uh, Lord, that you would 
create a curiosity within us that drives us to your word, that seeks you, uh, Father, that where you may be found. And so, Father, we love you, we praise you, we want to glorify you with not just our lips, but with our lips and our hearts, and not just our lips and our hearts, but our actions. And so, Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11.5, by faith, and this is the hall of faith, the this Hebrews 11 is where we just get a list of the faithful men and women of God. Um, so by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Yeah, so part of what spurned this was this book I'm reading uh, by Randy Alcorn on Heaven. And a couple of things that he has said uh, in my reading, and admittedly I'm only a handful of chapters into this book, but the, it's really caused me to think about some things as uh, like his experience in seminary. My experience in seminary was there really was not a whole lot of instruction on heaven, what the Bible says about heaven, what, what can be known. But I like some of that questions he asks and the speculations. Uh, and so one of the things that he said that I think maybe we don't really think about very much, maybe we understand it as believers that have read our Bibles, but there is a present heaven um, where, you know, when we die short of, of Christ returning, uh, we go to. And then there's an eternal heaven, and that's in Revelation where the Bible says that all things will be made new. Uh, throughout Scripture, the Bible refers to a new heavens and a new earth. That's the eternal heaven. As uh, we know that this earth is under the curse of sin, and uh, sin has affected every aspect of the earth, the animals, the vegetation, the you know, uh, people, all of it. We're all under the sin of curse. And so obviously in the new heavens and the new earth, when all things are being made new, uh, that is no longer the case. The, the veil, uh, the curse of sin is eradicated. And, and what does that look like? Well, I mean, the Bible does say some things. Uh, there are a lot of things we don't know. And as Gavin has pointed out in our conversations before we're coming on to the uh, episode today, you know, uh, there's, there's so much... Uh, metaphor and illusion and all of that, what's real, what's not, we don't know. Uh, but one thing we do know is that Enoch, uh, as well as Elijah, were they, they did not die. And so it's interesting because the Scripture says it is appointed for a man to die once. Well, Enoch and Elijah didn't die. And so one of the questions that Alcorn is asking in this book is, will, will there be some bodily form in the present heaven. Now, I said on Monday's episode that we will be in heaven spiritually, that my mom is in heaven spiritually, Dr. Greenwood's wife is in heaven spiritually. I think it's a fair question or at least something to uh, speculate on because we know that Enoch and Elijah were taken bodily. Now, one of the questions that, that comes with that, though, is, is uh, you know, how are bodies, which are under the curse, taken to heaven? And we, we, frankly, we don't know. Uh, Alcorn says, and I'm quoting on page 60, perhaps God extended the same grace to allow the bodies of Enoch and Elijah into uh, the present heaven. He calls, he uses two different terms to describe the present heaven. He uses the term intermediate heaven and present heaven. Um, he said, if that's the case, they may even now be living in a 
pre-resurrected body in heaven, just as Christ is living there in his resurrected body, which is another example of of, uh, of a resurrected physical body, uh, Christ, who was sitting on the throne, uh, stood as Stephen was being martyred. So we know of at least, or, or we think we know of at least three physical bodies in heaven. But then you also have the account of the uh, transfiguration uh, where Jesus was meeting with Elijah and Moses. Now, how how the three disciples recognized uh, Elijah and Moses, uh, you know, inspiration, maybe. Maybe they had name tags on. We don't know. But they were, they did appear with Jesus in the transfiguration in a bodily form. So, I, I you know, I certainly could maybe give some input along these speculative lines, but... Yeah. Would you please? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, you don't care. No, I, yeah, I, that, that, that's a little harsh language. I know I communicated it. He's not misrepresenting my point, but, um, but I, I, if I'm listening to this podcast right now, the thought that is going through my head and, and Russ agrees that is that the point of the text? No, it is not. Yeah. And, and so you go, okay, but what's the point of the text? Why are these why are there indicators of heaven? Why was the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, you know, offered when it was? So those those would be much more, you know, akin or or in line with what I'm excited about. What what is the point of the text that these things communicate? And and so we spent a lot of time before this just talking about how great heaven's going to be. The the we have very little information on what heaven is like. It is going to be amazing beyond our. Uh, ability to understand. Last week, Russ and Dr. Greenwood were talking about you know going along heaven uh, and playing a harp doesn't sound exciting. Russ mentioned that he doesn't know where that I- imagery came from, and, and you know certainly not biblical. But for me, I, I don't even speculate along those lines. I don't know if we'll have a harp in heaven or not. There's no indication we will. But if we do, it'll be exciting. And 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 I tried to word it like this: if if there's a grandmother of her grandkids sitting there with her smartphone and she's flipping through the pictures and she's going, and this was you know Jimmy at the beach, flip. This was Jimmy at the airport, flip. This was Jimmy on the ride home, flip. This is Jimmy taking a nap. I'm bored out of my mind. She's thrilled. What's the difference? She has affection and attachment in heaven. I don't know what we'll be doing. I know it will be amazing and great. So the point of the passages, the few passages we have on heaven, are just how spectacularly wonderful and amazing it will be. In fact, I think that's why heaven is described almost at all when you see the gates of one pearl and you, you know the streets of clear gold and stuff that you're going, what in the world? I don't even have a place in, in my mind for that. It's to say this. No one cares. It's singular street. Okay, great. Street of gold, clear gold. Nobody cares. In heaven, nobody cares about those things. The occupation of heaven will be to be around the throne of God and be worshiping. That'll keep us excited. So you see, like the the spectacular buildings of Jerusalem, when the disciples come in and are in awe, and Jesus says, yeah, these are going to be destroyed. That's not the point. I'm the point. So... You know, how do we, how do you, we walk through this and get excited about the, it's in the Bible. We want to get excited about Enoch and why he's there and why he was taken up and what does that mean for us? But the point of, of the discussion about heaven is it's going to be beyond our understanding, amazing, wonderful, and good. Well, I think verse six gives us a good understanding of, of the point, And that is faith, you know, God coming, coming to Christ by, or coming, you know, stand, being able to stand before God by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and you know, verse 6, uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. Uh, 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Gavin, you and I were talking before we came on about this theme that, that runs throughout Scripture, the perseverance of the saints. And, uh, you know, and I, I made the comment that, you know, perhaps that is why Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That there, there seems to be a, a correlation between our ability uh, to hang in there, so to speak, uh, to persevere, uh, to remain faithful. Uh, there seems to be a correlation between that and our salvation, authentic yeah. salvation. Right, yeah. So we, I think we've talked about First John 2.19 before that, you know, they went out from us because they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. You know, so, so the idea is, you know, it, I think Hebrews 3 is another place that you can go. Is um, So maybe we'll turn there now. But, but let me, as, as we turn to Hebrews 3, you read Hebrews 11, 5b as it leads to 6. Uh, for before he was taken, he had his testimony. He had this testimony that he pleased God. And that's when it goes into, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. It, it, well, it's not, at least in the ESV. That was the New King James. Okay. So in the, in the New King James, what's the very first word of six in the New King James? The very first word of six is and without faith. Yeah. So that's not contrasting. He's saying like that he was commended as having pleased God. Yeah. So if, if God ever looks down on you and says, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of adding, I don't want to add, I'm not adding to scripture. I'm just thinking through this. If God ever looks down on me and says, man, I'm pleased with that guy. What does that mean? So it says, it says that the, he was commended as having pleased God. Pause. That That's interesting. Like Enoch pleased God. And what does that imply? What's the implication? Six is an explanation of five. Does that make sense? So, so five just says he pleased God. Six is an explanation of what that looks like. And without faith, it, it is impossible to please him. Right. So he's saying if, if he pleased God, that's a commendation of Enoch's faith, which is what you then were leading us to, this, this importance yes. of faith throughout our walk. Um, but so, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. So, so that, okay, what do I have faith in? Do I have faith that I'll be taken up like Enoch? No. Hebrews 11 goes on to say, like, some people are going to see foreign armies put to flight and the dead raised back to life. That kind of faith. And others are going to be sawn, torn apart, you know, sawn in two. They're going to be, they're going to be brutalized because of their faith. So what do I have faith in? Christ. What's pleasing to God is when we cry out, God, I know this. This is going to please God when I scream. I know you exist. And I know that you reward those who diligently seek you. And what is the reward that I diligently seek? God. That's the faith that pleases him. If you want to be like Enoch, it's not that you will not taste death. That's not the, gr the great gift of Enoch. The great gift of Enoch is that you'll be in the presence of God forevermore because you've sought him and you've pleased him. And how do you please him? By faith. Absolutely. Believe. And blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So where are we going now? Hebrews Three. You threatened to go to Hebrews three. Yeah. One other one other thing I'll say in the parable of rich man and Lazarus, both the rich man and Lazarus uh, appear in physical bodies. Just another little interesting tidbit, I think, uh, to the discussion as to whether or not in the present heaven we'll have bodies. 
I know that you're not wild about that conversation, but I just think it's fascinating. Cause I thought we I, got I'm, all, away from that conversation. Oh, I, I'm trying to get us back on course. <laughs> I know you brought your shotgun. You're out hunting deer and squirrel and everything else. I'm, I'm trying to say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Sorry, now. I went back to 11, 5, and 6. But yeah, yeah. so go ahead. So, so just that, again, so many references do not specifically say one way or the other, whether we'll be in the present heaven in a, some spiritual form or whether we'll have some bodily form. What we do know is, is that we will not be in our glorified bodies because Christ, that won't happen until Christ returns and our, and the dead in Christ are raised. The sea will give up uh, its dead. Uh, so it's not that. If, it, if there is some type of bodily form, it's not that. It is not the glorified body. And I'm not First saying— 1 Corinthians 15 gets yeah. into that a little as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have the saints under the under the altar as as uh, they uh, are given white robes. And, you know, Alcorn uh, you know, brings this out, mentions this. You know, well, why would they be given robes if they didn't have a body to put it on? They may be metaphorical. They may right. be physical. It may, you know, we, we exactly. Don't we don't know. But it is an interesting thing to just consider in our minds, just the same way as, you know, was Jonas really swallowed by a big fish or a whale or uh, Leviathan or, you know, whatever it is. I know you say it's not a whale, it's a big fish. You know, I think the Bible does say, or at least uh, the New King James does say big fish, you know. So there's, there's some interesting things in Scripture that uh, I think are, are fascinating. You know, can an army really walk around a city seven days and blow a trumpet and the walls fall down? Well, yes. Yes, it can. In fact, it's recorded historically. And how did that happen exactly? By faith. And God, who, who uh, caused, he, he used these, these people to march around. I can't explain that, uh, you know, but Jericho fell. That's what we know. So, what were you going to say about Hebrews three? Yeah, were you still chasing rabbits and bears no, and squirrels? Uh, no, I, I'm. I'm shocked. We have totally signs that the apocalypse is upon us as we have totally switched roles. I have. I You're have gone you. totally speculative. Now, I don't know that I'm speculative. I just chase a lot of rabbits and stuff. And you and you're you're locked into your to your thought today. But it, I thought I mean, that was not, my no, role. I'm locked into your to the the Bible and locked into you're, the thought. Yeah, I messed that all up. You did. All right, let's get Welcome back, back to it. Yeah. Um, so so Hebrews 3.14, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So it's the, it's the present tense. We have come to share this right now, presently. We have come to share in Christ if we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Like, you know that you believe in God if you believe in God. You cannot, I do not believe that you can lose your faith. That which God has begun in us, he will bring to completion. He, he who has begun it is faithful. He will surely do it. He has called us as faithful. He will surely do it. So there's just, there's evidence in scripture, many places that God will continue this firm to the end that, you know, no one can take you out of the hand of God. Um, life and death won't separate you from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus. So there are several places in scripture that indicate that now, you know, I think that we have come to, uh, I don't want to say come, I don't know that this is a new thing. Cheap faith is, is the faith du jour which is no faith at all. It's just like easy believism, which is right. which is uh, cheap grace is maybe what I was looking for. But faith even, it's not even real faith. It's not faith in God. It's uh, it's kind of a get out of jail free. I don't want to go to hell. Let me say I believe this type thing. And you'll right. know a tree by the fruit that it bears. There has got to be evidence that you really do believe. So, all right. I agree with everything you said. So here's, here's the thing. So you and I are both serving in churches where um, – and really, it's not just unique to your church or my church. I mean, this is, they say, I was in a meeting that uh, a, 
yet another meeting that I was looking for you at, and uh, you weren't there. That was this morning. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. This was uh, this was uh, Ministers Mondays. And so one of the things that the um, guy said was that just – I don't think this was just an SBC thing, but let's just say it was because it was an SBC guy. Church-wide, uh, we're operating at about 80 85%. That might have been a worldwide statement, might have been an SBC statement, but because since COVID, we're about an 80 or 85 percent. Obviously, some churches are reporting increase, but most churches are not. Okay. So here's my statement then. Do we not owe? All right. So if we're saying that, that true faith does not walk away from God, people that truly believe in God do not walk away from God, do we not then owe? a warning to those that have walked away. Okay, sure. How, yes, absolutely. Should uh, we not preach that warning? Yeah, so Capitol Hill Baptist Church, it, I think, gives you uh, one or two business meetings, and they don't call them business member meetings, uh, to, to find another church because they care about your soul. And I want to make that abundantly clear. So if you get out of church and you're not eating and you're wasting away, they want to care enough about you to come and warn you, right? So they give you a on their schedule, you know, maybe two quarters to find a church where you're moving. And, and then they're gonna then they're gonna exercise some warnings and and I think and I don't want to speak for Capitol Hill Baptist Church but I think they do actually church discipline like this is not a consistent place that you ought to be there's no place in scripture for somebody that loves Jesus and just is up outside of the community the fellowship of believers in the community of faith like if you are a child of God you are a part of that community in fact you're rebellious in that you're forsaking the assembling together as is the habit of some but I'm watching online yeah not the same and not not what the assembly means the ecclesia means assembly right? It means the called out body of regenerate believers, the assembled people, uh, that's what a church is. And they gather together regularly and you should not forsake that. It is deadly dangerous to forsake that. So should we warn people? Yes. So, so let me get a few things out of, out there. One, wheats and tares, they do grow together and we're not real good at separating them, right? In fact, we're to let them grow. We're to preach, teach, and pray to all the wheats and all the wheat and all the tare in our congregation, unless there is serious sin that indicates there's no salvation at all. That's where church discipline comes in. That is a warning. Like that is the church collectively, not some pastor, not some rogue member coming up and saying, you don't look like you're saved. That is the church collectively operating under the spirit of God for the glory of God and the restoration of people to look somebody in the eye and say, the way that you're acting, the sin that you're uh, per perpetually doing, the serious, uh, unrepentant, chronic, public sin that has come to our attention indicates that you do not know God, that there's no... Um, what is it? Acts twenty twenty six and and John says it as well. Like bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, John the baptizer says that to the the Pharisees. You know, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Paul says that we should be doing uh, uh, works in keeping with our repentance. That's Acts twenty six twenty b something like that. Anyways, so um, like you're not living like that. Right. You and 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 we love you enough. This is a loving act to say we want to warn you. It, to, here, it may, to see if this makes sense. If I walk in one day and you've got a, a bone sticking through the side of your arm, right? And I go, uh, man, Russ, what happened? And you go, nothing. Man, you don't look good. I'm I'm great. And I go, all right. And I leave here. Now, I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not trying to force my opinion on you, Russ. I mean, I don't, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, right? 
I come back the next week and and it's starting to smell a little and there are flies going around it and I'm not trying to be crass but some maggots in it and by the way that's what sin does to a person that's right pretty disgusting right and I'm not, and I don't want to make it a one to one like physical illness doesn't mean necessarily you're in sin right so so I don't want to make it like that but I'm just saying like if you're around somebody uh in, that's in open sin it stinks all right, but let's let's go back to the illustration of your arm. And I come back and I say, Russ, man, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm pretty concerned about you. And you go, Oh, I'm fine. I come back the next week, and you your whole body looks messed up. You look like you're about to die. And and I and I've kind of left it alone. And and all of a sudden, I walk up and I just grab your arm and you scream, Ah! And you go, I'll go. Okay, I'll go. I'll go to the doctor. I'll go to the doctor. I'll go to the doctor. You realize you're sick. Yeah. You're gonna flee to the doctor. Yeah. I think that's a loving act. I th- I th- and again, I'm not trying to hurt you. Hurts and pain is not the goal. Discipline is not the goal. The goal is restoration. The goal is healing. The goal is hope. The goal is life and love. The goal so is eternity. The, so that they may also enjoy a present heaven. Yes. Had to get back there. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, we, I'm just rolling Your first day back, Elmer Fudd just takes us on all kinds of rabbit trails. We've, you know, it's been five days of no rabbit trails and the listeners going, wait a minute, I'm used to the I no rabbit I thought I trail. saw a rabbit. I really did think I saw a rabbit. I think this is probably a good place to stop. Perfect. Yeah. With maggots and bones sticking out and all that. Uh, listener, I, I thank you for hanging in there with us. I hope we'll see you again back tomorrow. Uh, keep opening your Bible. May God bless you. Bye-bye.